would take your Bible once again, turn to Luke chapter 22. While you're turning, I take the opportunity to thank everyone for the birthday party, so to speak, on Friday evening. I was surprised. I guess I'm kind of hard to surprise, but I wasn't thinking about that. Anyway, thank you for the uh, cards and the gifts. They're a great encouragement to Amy and I. We do appreciate it. Luke chapter 22, verses 31 through 34. Luke chapter 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. We heard about that in Sunday school class this morning. When the Lord repeats your name, it's for a reason. Simon, Simon. Behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest I simply titled this message, Setting Yourself Up for Failure. Setting Yourself Up for Failure. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we have to look into thy precious word. Father, we thank you that we have recorded for us actual accounts of people like us, with like passions as, as we are. And Father, I, that we might learn and grow and be instructed through their past experiences so that we might be glorify our Savior in through in our lives, we do pray. So just speak to our hearts, encourage us, and challenge us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God has provided for us in Christ a way to have a victorious Christian life. You know, God's you know, saw us in all forms of defeat and failure that we have. He sees the influences of the world, the flesh, and the devil. But he's designed a salvation to cause us to triumph in Christ. But to enjoy that triumph, we must obey the principles that make for, for, for victory. And this, Peter failed to do. And he failed. So I want to look at this this morning as to think about Peter and his denial of the Lord. I've got four things. First of all, the blunder of carelessness in prayer. I heard a little bit about this this morning in Sunday school as well, which, which I appreciated. But the blunder of carelessness in prayer. You know, carelessness in prayer comes from several things. First of all, a lack of conscious need. We don't pray because we don't feel we need to. We feel we need to. In, in chapter 22, verse 40, uh, the Lord said, and he went was at the place, and he said to them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And then in verses 45 and 46, it says, When he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow, and said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray. Notice, lest ye enter into temptation. Now, in Mark chapter 14, you might want to mark that because I'm going to be going back and forth there a little bit. It's a parallel passage to this passage. 
In Mark 14, verses 33 to 38, uh, it says, and he taketh with him Peter. So Peter was one of those. Of course, Peter was one, one of those of the inner circle. You know, it was Peter, James, and John. And he he take, took him with him, began to be sore amazed and very heavy, and saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. And went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that, if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And he cometh and findeth them sleeping, and saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldst not thou watch one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. And, and so what we see here is a lack of, of need uh, on, in the mind of Peter to pray. Uh, you know, again, the reason we don't pray is we don't realize that we have a need to. We may think we're strong enough. We can handle it. And we fail to believe the promises of God. So there's a, there's a lack of a conscience need. There's also a lack of concern for those around them. You know, Jesus asked them to, to watch and pray. He, he's, he's, he's in the garden. He's agonizing. And he asked them pray with him. Instead they slept. They slept. You know, when you have a genuine concern, you will pray. You will pray. Paul said in Romans chapter 10 verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. You know, I believe that verse was predicated upon the heaviness and sorrow that he had the burden that was in his heart that he spoke of in chapter 9, he said, I wish I were accursed from Christ for my kinsmen in the flesh. But we see here, in the instance of Peter, a lack of concern for those around him. There's also another reason we don't pray or are careless in prayer is because of a lack of a clear understanding of the principles and results of prayer. Now look again at verse 40 of our text in chapter 22 and also verse 46. It says, When he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. Again, verse 46, And said unto them, Why sleep ye, rise and play, pray, lest ye enter into temptation. So there's a relationship here between prayer or lack thereof and falling into sin. We, we might say it, looking at it from a positive side, there's a lack of prayer will cause us not to know the will of God. In Psalm 63, verse 6 says, When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. The idea there, he's, he's talking about meditating upon the Lord and, and in prayer. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 148, Mine eyes prevent the night watches, that I might meditate in thy word. You know, if you, if you go to Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10, and, and verse 1, Acts chapter 10, verse 1, we have the story of Cornelius, and we know this story well. But I want you to notice, I want to emphasize something here in this account. In both Cornelius and in Peter, who are the two main characters of this chapter here, 
In, in Acts chapter 10, verse 1, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man, one that feared God with all his heart, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. You know, this guy, he would be one of those that would be characterized as uh, um, uh, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. He, was, he prayed to God always. And then it says he saw in a vision, evidently by the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming in on him and saying unto him, Cornelius. So he's praying and he sees a vision. He has a vision. Of the Lord. The Lord speaks to him, and the Lord gives him direction as to what to do. And he tells him, of course, to send for Peter. And I'm making a long story short here. He tells him to send for Peter. Uh, and then, uh, if you get down to uh, verse t- 9, it says, On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up onto the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts and of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. So Peter goes up on the housetop to pray and he falls into a trance and God reveals to him in a vision... Hey, there's men coming. They're Gentiles. They're unclean. And you're to take the gospel to them. That's really what this vision's about. You're to take the gospel to them. When did he get it? When he was praying. When he was praying. You know, Luke 24, 22, verse 46 says, Pray lest you enter into temptation. The opposite of entering into temptation is walking in the will of God. See, prayer is not just talking to God. Prayer is communicating with God. Communication is a two-way street. It's a two-way street. You know, you can be sharing your heart and at the same time seeking His will. Uh, Jehoshaphat understood this in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. He said, O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we may have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And he's, he's praying this to the Lord. You know, he's seeking the will of God. Against, I believe it was the band of the Moabites, a very... A large company that came against him. And so he's seeking the Lord's will in prayer. And if Peter would have been praying with the Lord, he would have known the will of God and not have struck with the sword. Instead, he would have submitted, as the Lord Jesus did, to the will of the Father. So, what we see here is a, a, a blunder of carelessness in prayer. Secondly, we see the besetting sin of confidence in self. Uh, a couple of things here I want to mention. First of all, he was influenced by his own importance. Look at chapter 22 and verse 33 again. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, 
both into prison and to death. And again in Mark chapter 14, Mark chapter 14 and verse 29, Mark records this for us. But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. You know, they're, they're, they're with, he's with the disciples, and he said, they all may be offended, but not I. Not I. Is this pride? This is an example of being full of pride. Being full of pride. Proverbs 14, 14 says, A backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. Proverbs 11 and 2, when pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. Verse 29, 23, a man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. You know, Peter later wrote in 1 Peter 5, 5, likewise ye younger, submit yourselves unto the other, yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud but giveth grace unto the humble. See, Peter learned the hard way what it was to have God resist him because he was proud. He was proud. In fact, at one point, Matthew 16, you remember Matthew 16? Jesus asked him, Whom say ye that I am? Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then the Lord starts telling them that he's going to die. And Peter took him aside. Verse 22 of Matthew 16 says, Then Peter took him and begat, began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. And he turned and said unto him, Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. For thou savest not things that be of God, but those that be of men. You see, Peter was influenced by his own importance. Somebody said Peter was sleeping while his Lord was praying and resisting while his Lord was submitting. So he was influenced by his own importance. He was also ignorant of the wickedness of his own heart. Ignorant of the wickedness of his own heart. In verses 31 and 32, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. You know, this is a warning to Peter of the power of the deception of Satan and of his own wicked heart. Jesus, the, Lord, the Lord in mercy is warning him, look, you need to beware of your own self. You know, the, like it's been commonly said, we are our own biggest enemy. Self is our biggest problem. But Peter was ignorant of the wickedness and deceitfulness of his own heart. Paul was well aware of these things. In 2 Corinthians 2.11, he said, Lest Satan get an advantage of, of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Of course, Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. You know, we need to beware, and, and Peter need to beware of the natural tendencies of our heart to sin. 
to give in to the pressures of the world, to be influenced by the world. And it's evident from the scriptures that this was a weakness Peter had. You know, even later on in Galatians chapter 2, Paul rebuked Peter for his sin. And it all had to do with others seeing him do something that they thought was wrong, which was eating with the Gentiles, which was no longer was not wrong. But the Jews felt it was wrong, and certain Jews came down from Judea. Peter withdrew himself. Paul confronted him about it. Again, that peer pressure. We need to be aware of our own wicked hearts, lest we fall into sin and temptation. third thing we see here is the bitter dread of criticism. The dread of criticism. <laughs> you know, nobody likes to be laughed at. And I don't think Peter could stand this. Of course, this is characteristic of a proud person. They can't stand to be laughed at, criticized, or lose. <laughs> and, and by all appearances, Jesus is losing. He's losing. Peter's having none of it. Notice, if you will, the character of his denial. First of all, he denied being with him. In verse 56 and 57 it says, And when they kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. And But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. And he denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. So here he denies the Lord. He refuses to acknowledge that he he knows him. He also denies being one one of them. In verse 58, again it says, And after a little while another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. So here he not only denies his Lord, he denies his brethren. He denies his brethren. You know, people forsake the brethren, the church, because they have forsaken the Lord. They may not admit that, but that's reality. Second Timothy Two four or four ten says, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present evil world. Demas forsook Paul after he fell in love with the world. He forsook the Lord, and then he forsook Paul. Of course, we know First John two fifteen says, "If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him." See. People forsake the brethren because they've forsaken the Lord. 
He also denied being associated with them. Verses 59 and 60 it says, In about the space of one hour after, another confidently affirmed, saying of a truth, This fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. So they identified him coming from a certain area. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he yet spake, the cock crowed. So he denies here being associated with, you know, he, he, in, in a sense he's really denying his past experiences, who he is. Who he is. He's a Galilean. And many of those that followed Jesus were the Galileans. Denying his past experience. He might say it was something like this. Well, it was only emotion. I heard people say this. I thought I'd give it a try. You know, salvation is not an emotion or something you try. It's a conscience thought through decision that changes your life permanently. It's not just an emotion or something you try. He denied being associated with them. Then notice the conclusion of his denial. He's convicted by a crowing rooster. Verse 60. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crowed. Somebody said, Peter never ate chicken after this. But he's convicted by a crowing rooster. You know, God uses some of the most insignificant things to show us who we really are at times. I mean, think about it. Balaam's donkey. Or Elijah's raven. Or Samson's donkey jawbone. You know, in Proverbs 6, 6, he says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. You know, God can use some of the most insignificant things or, or, or even people, sometimes as children, to show us who we really are. Or how wayward we may be. But he's convicted by a crowing rooster. But he was also convinced by a pitiful look. Notice verse 61. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. A pitiful look. You know, it was, I'm sure, a look of pain. One of his leading disciples has denied him, denied that he know him. It was also a look of pity. Look of pity. You know, the Lord pitieth, pitieth us. Psalm 103, verse 13 says, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Pitieth. It was a look of pity. But not only was it a look of pain and a look of pity, but it was a look of prospective hope. Notice verse 32. He says, But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. 
And verse 61 says this. Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. How he had said. Well, he said he'd, he, he said he'd deny him. But you know what else he said? Peter, I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you. I have prayed for thee. It was a reminder to Peter that the Lord had said, I have prayed for thee. Romans 8.34 says this, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Yes, the Lord prays for us. Hebrews 7.25 says, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. You see, this was a, a look of a reminder to Peter that the Lord was praying for him. The Lord had prayed for him. You, know, you may be struggling or you may have fallen in sin, but I have good news for you. The Son of God is the Father's right hand and He's praying for you. He's interceding for you. We have a picture of this in Acts chapter 7. Stephen's being stoned and Stephen says, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. First John chapter 2 and verse 1. The Bible says, My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. See, he pleads our case. He pleads our case before our Heavenly Father. So it was a reminder, a look of, of hope, a reminder that I have prayed for thee. It was a reminder also of what the Lord said about when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now, the Lord knows all things. He knows the end from the beginning. And the Lord gave Peter some hope here and he said, when thou art converted, the word converted means turned around. When you get turned around, when you get, when you, when you get rid of being full of yourself and you get turned around, and strengthen the brother. Strengthen the brother. See, there is hope. It is, it is clearly implied here that though Peter has denied the Lord, the Lord's not finished with Peter. He's not finished with Peter. There's still hope for Peter. And it brought hope to Peter, and it should bring hope to you. The Lord does not forsake his own who fall. We can repent and come back to him. First John 1 John 1.9 still says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, yes, it was a look of prospective hope. Of hope. But then I want to show this fourth thing. 
the burning tears of a crying saint. Verse 62 says, And Peter went out and wept bitterly. He went out and wept bitterly. You ever been there? Now think about Peter in his situation right now. It says he just went out. The devil's wounded him. The world scared him. And denying the Lord, he's defeated. His flesh has deceived him. Poor Peter, where can he go? He's just out wandering. Where can he go? He's gone out wandering about his relationship with the Lord, to the disciples, wandering about fellowship with the saints. Will they have him again? You ever feel like that? About his testimony before the world, will they, will they listen to him? Will they hear him? You know, one of the things the devil likes to use against God's people is when, when they fall, that they cannot be used again. That there's no hope. Might as well just give up and quit. That's a lie. That is a lie. Don't ever believe that the Lord gives up on you. You know, Peter has gone out weeping. He's denied the Lord, discredited his testimony, deceived his own self. He's disappointed in his service. He's disgraced his character. His life's a disaster. I mean, he's denied the Lord before the Sanhedrin, the people there in the court, where they're trying to, and, and, and questioning Jesus. And many would have given up on him. But you know, Peter needed a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Somewhere, you know, the Bible doesn't really tell us a lot about this, but somewhere, Peter met the Lord. And the Lord matched Peter's abundant sin with his abounding grace. Your Romans 5.20 says, But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. The Lord met Peter's repentant tears with restoring grace. Go to John chapter 22. John chapter 22. And it's interesting to me, and I think the Lord is referring to this, the fact that you know, Peter liked to have Peter's way. That's typical of human nature. We like to have our own way. In John chapter 21, in verse 16, well, let's start back in verse uh, 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Lord, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? 
Peter was grieved, because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. In other words, you went where you wanted, did what you wanted, it's not going to be that way anymore. For when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. Of course, this he spake, signifying by what death he should glorify God. You know, Peter, the Lord, again, was getting to the heart of Peter. And he restored him. In Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches. Day of Pentecost and 3,000 are saved. You see, we may fail, we may fall. We have a God who loves us. A God who will forgive us if we repent of our sin. You know, you may have failed. Maybe you're burdened down with sin. Maybe you're struggling with something. You know, Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. For my burden is easy, and my yoke is light. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. You see, we can. We don't have to. We don't have to fail. We don't have to fail. Yeah, we don't have to go down that road that Peter did. Yeah, we have a salvation that can cause us to always triumph in Christ. But to triumph in Christ, we have to obey the principles that God gives us that make for victory. We must walk with the Lord. Spend time communicating with Him. Not put confidence in self. And have a heart of humility. How is it with you this morning? Are you burdened? Or maybe you have fallen, or maybe you feel that you have failed. I've got good news for you. God will forgive you and cleanse you. Again, 1 John 1 9 says, If we confess our sins, if we agree with Him, if we confess our sins, He is just. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How is your relationship with him this morning? Are you blundering? Or are you walking with him? Are you submitting to him? Or resisting him? 